I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left, no reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. I am the eater of wolves and of children. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very last installment of this year's greatest greatest october i'm zach i'm matt and this is episode number 200 halloween the epic conclusion to the greatest october if you will we're talking 1978 of course that's right not rob zombie's halloween and not halloween 2018 yeah often sequeled replicated attempted bringbacks and this time around, instead of waiting until the end, we're going to jump into the franchise a little bit at the beginning, even though we've already talked about Halloween countless times, it seems like. We did a Give Us a Second a couple years ago. I think we talked about Halloween 2018 at I one point. Like we I, did Halloween 3 on the show. I don't know. You and I might not be aligned on this, but I, I kind of feel like without question for me, it's my favorite franchise i mean i know where we both sit for the first movie and not that anyone after the first movie is that great i do enjoy this franchise and can watch a lot of these movies do you mean horror franchise or any franchise (laughs) yeah it's a good call out i meant horror franchise okay so before we get (laughs) it so you won't say where you sit on that yeah it is my favorite okay thank you didn't really Think of, I mean, maybe Ginger Snaps. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> no, I think Halloween, as far as like the iconic ones, is probably my favorite, even though there may actually be more quality in some of the other ones, because, I, I don't know, we can go through it in a minute, okay. but I'm not entirely sure how many great Halloween movies there are. I agree with that, but I do think a lot of them are, are watchable. <laughs> That's the bar. Yeah, yeah. So before we jump into this long, extended take on a horror classic... Because, make no mistake, it will be. Probably, yes. Let's 
Remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. Tell a friend. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you get a chance. And also, more importantly, don't panic when you don't see a new episode for a couple of weeks. As we've mentioned in the prior episodes, and we'll don't be taking a little bit of a breather after this. Don't celebrate too hard either. <laughs> Gives everyone a chance to catch up. Had a lot of weeks in a row of episodes. And then we'll come back strong probably towards the end of November either on Thanksgiving or maybe before Thanksgiving, something like that. It's just a yearly tradition. At sure this point. is, yeah. I mean, listen, Zach and I work hard <laughs> on this delivering this content. Sometimes you need a at break. At least I do. Sure, yeah. <laughs> no question about that. Nobody works harder than Zach. I think we would all agree with that. Okay, so this is a big one. This is one of our favorite films ever. It's a classic. Yeah. I do want to point out that we're probably going to be critical of some things in it at least i will because there are some flaws but i still feel like it's a 10 out of 10 movie i agree i think and it's been a long time since i've even tried to put this together i feel like this is probably in my top 10 of all time if i sat down and did it now yeah this is a movie i could watch multiple times a year and have no problem absolutely and i would say you and i probably have done that Pretty close, I mean, we went to the theater to see a showing of it a few years back. Yeah, ever since Scream Factory put out the box set with all of the Halloweens up until Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, which was the first time they were all collected together like that, Yeah, it really became a bigger thing for me rather than just catching various parts of different ones on TV. Right. Because I had owned the original several times on dvd and blu-ray and stuff but as for all the other ones it would just be like well this is on tv i'll catch like 45 minutes of halloween 4 or something i mean i would watch several of the halloween movies on like amc yeah every year same with friday the 13th and stuff like that it was just like okay this is on yeah yeah but once that Scream Factory box set came out, it was really a game changer. And I can say this series for me about Halloween. I have a very small collection of 4K movies that includes Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Alfred Hitchcock box set, and Halloween. All right. <laughs> Halloween was directed by John Carpenter, written by Carpenter and Deborah Hill, starring Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis. Nancy Keys as Nancy Loomis and PJ Souls. How many minutes spent on Nancy Loomis on this episode? As many as we can That's right. get in there. <laughs> there is like a little sliver of the movie where it's like she's the star. It feels like it's about her for a part. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Because I was noticing in my notes, I was like, I don't think I've written down the name Laurie in minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, and that was something that jumped out to me when we went to the theater to see it. it oh, yeah. I, that's a lot of I things really... were jumping out to you at that screening. Absolutely, yeah, especially <laughs> with everything that she goes through with her whole wardrobe situation. Halloween, of course, everybody knows, is the story of a mental patient named Michael Myers, who was committed to a sanitarium for murdering his teenage sister on Halloween night when he was just six years old. Fifteen years later, he escapes and returns to his hometown where he stalks a female babysitter and her friends while under pursuit by his psychiatrist, Dr. Loomis. The budget was 300000 approximately, 
the box office somewhere around 60 to 70 million which with inflation is probably about double that but even more so than any kind of financial success its legacy is never ending it continues to be the gold standard for slasher movies and for horror in general and I, i think a theme that will develop over the course of this podcast is how halloween was not a passion project for John Carpenter. <laughs> he was basically approached with an idea, and through his talent and a collaborative effort amongst him, Deborah Hill, the cast, oh, the yeah. crew, and his great ability at writing movie scores, it just turned something that was like maybe going to be just right, right. exploitation, grindhouse, <laughs> nothing more than like the Slumber Party Massacre type shit yeah, into yeah. like this iconic name brand thing we talk about this a lot and i often say that future installments or, or sequels or n- nothing ever diminishes the original but i i do feel a little bit like this movie is great and i almost feel like you lose sight of some of the greatness to it as you move on because there's the you know the things where all of a sudden like laurie strode is the sister it almost works better when you, none of that future stuff. I think I remember hearing this movie pitched as this guy's just like killing babysitters. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not tied to anything else. This guy is just like stalking and killing babysitters in his old hometown. Before we get into the specifics of the original Halloween film, let's give basically an overview of the franchise and also a little bit more about where this movie stands with us. I don't really remember the first time I saw halloween or a halloween movie i think i was probably vaguely aware of them before h2o probably from seeing things on tv but because of scream and then the resurgence of horror and slasher at the end of the 90s into the early 2000s that brought about h2o which was a big success and in my opinion probably one of the better entries in the franchise that to me was like, okay, this is Halloween. Like, I get it. I know yeah, what yeah. it is. Because for whatever reason, and I don't think it has anything to do with quality necessarily, I was probably much more aware of who Freddy Krueger and Jason were before Michael Myers. I, th- I think I would agree with that. But there was always a cartoonish element to those two that never really came across with Halloween, whereas Halloween think, definitely... Yeah has shitty movies in the franchise but since he never talks he could never be that embarrassing well i you know i can remember (laughs) not that jason talks but you know what i mean i can remember seeing nightmare on elm street at a pretty young age johnny depp getting sucked into the bed on tv of course and it haunted me (laughs) so i i do remember that being scary just as a young child seeing that but really my first memory of halloween and I do, I remember this pre- pretty vividly, actually. Halloween 6? Is that the one with Paul Rudd in it? Yeah. Didn't see the movie back at this time. But when I was pretty young, the TV Guide channel, they were running promos for it that it was like available to get on pay per view or whatever. You know, like when they <laughs> desperately were desperately begging for money. Right, right. It yeah. had made none at the oh, theater. Yeah. But the trailer that they had for it on that was like horrifying to me. <laughs> like yeah. the, it was like I think that one is called like the return of Michael Myers or something. No, that's the curse. The curse of Michael Myers. And there's like this old lady who is in the movie and she says something about the boogeyman and that was like in the trailer for it. Right. And I was like terrified of this trailer. And that was like my first awareness of this series and it, probably not that long afterwards I started seeing 
clips from the first one when it would be on TV, but I'd be like too scared to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I think everybody sort of gets confused as to the different timelines and the reboots and the retcons that have gone on. And well, yeah, what what ones count, what ones don't count, depending on who you're asking. And I think it was further confused with the 2018 reboot, which discarded every single sequel and thus went back to a time where Michael Myers and Laurie Strode were not brother and sister which a lot of people don't realize is not established in Halloween, the first one. But right, I think right. people who aren't like super obsessed with horror movies or don't watch Halloween every year, they sort of don't realize that because it became such a... Uh, yeah, such a big thing. Such a big part of the canon of the movies. Yeah, and I do think that Halloween H2O, maybe this is not true, but it feels like that was a fairly popular movie at the time. Uh, was, yeah. it, was it a bomb or did it do... No, it did well. Okay, yeah. Resurrection was a bomb. Right, right. So of kind of our generation, I, I feel like that's a big plot point in that movie. Yeah. So, so then kind of accept that as just canon. So I think we discussed on that previous, give us a second, there's a lot of different timelines. There's the one that is Halloween 1, 2, and then skips all the way until H2O. And resurrection and that's like the end of that timeline right then there's halloween 3 which stands on its own then there's one that's basically halloween 1 2 4 5 and 6 and that's that ends at 6 and that involves laurie dying off screen not in right, the movie right. yes because jamie lee curtis wasn't going to be in four and then there's rob zombies halloween 1 and 2 which are their own thing <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> which we have thoughts on probably won't get into on this show there's halloween to halloween 2018 which basically throws away every other thing and then there's going to be two more sequels to halloween 2018 called halloween kills and halloween ends <laughs> and i believe halloween kills is already finished but they're not releasing it until next year now because of covid yeah. Anyway, well, <laughs> <laughs> let's just focus on this one. Enough about that. Yeah, I mean, I think we did do a podcast at one point. Yeah, we're not going to give yeah. our rankings. I'm just going to say that I watched Halloween 2 recently, and I was kind of let down by it. Maybe not as let down as Clerks 2, but <laughs> I was just sort of bored by Halloween 2, and I don't really know why there's a certain segment of the fan base that holds that up as like almost equal to the original. I would have it behind three it's, for sure. It's been a while for me. I did like it, but I haven't watched it in a while. I never thought it was remotely in the same universe as, as the three. first one. Yeah, or three. Yeah. <laughs> I think four is probably better than two. Yeah. It's probably okay. equal to five. I, I do kind maybe of. Maybe slightly I, better than five. It's definitely better than six in Resurrection. H2O is better than two. Yeah. Four, five, and six is kind of like its own trilogy, right? Like Yeah. The, and I think those ones, I kind of like them. They get progressively worse. I mean, six is almost unwatchable. Six is the second worst yeah. behind Resurrection, except for maybe Rob Zombie's Halloween two or both. Okay, <laughs> depending right. on my mood. All right, let's get to the topic at hand. So Halloween did not invent the slasher movie. It simply modernized and then perfected it. Some of the precursors being Peeping Tom in 1960 or Psycho or yeah. Black Christmas. Some of the, I would say some of the stabbing motions in this movie almost look 
like a, a reference to Psycho. Well, there's a lot of Hitchcock references in Halloween. Obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis being sure <laughs> a yeah, walking right. reference, yeah. <laughs> a walking talking reference. Carpenter even evidently talked to Bob Clark, the the director of Black Christmas, to see what his ideas were for a potential sequel to see if he could get any inspiration in this genre because there weren't really a lot of slasher movies to draw from as to like what the motivation would be or sure. what it would look like because before something exists you kind of have to like go out on a limb and be like okay so this guy's just going to run around with a knife and kill people <laughs> right. and people are like what what is this yeah although it's not really that much further developed than that yeah well that, yeah. that's just what it is <laughs> But as I mentioned, it perfected the genre. This is the gold standard. This is perfection. And every detail is so iconic and cool. The theatrical poster designed by Robert Gleason, which is awesome. The pumpkin jagged into the oh, knife. Oh, yeah, such a the cool hand look. The knife. The cinematography by the legendary Dean Cundey, who would go on to work with Robert Zemeckis. Oh, yeah, the, the look of this movie Steven is Spielberg. great. He would master lighting, and, and an example of this, one of the best cited things in this movie, is the sequence when Laurie first finds her friends all dead oh, yeah. in the dark house, and she's in the hallway, and there's that black doorway, like it's just darkness right there, but mm-hmm. then the light kind of shifts slowly, that bluish light, and right. then you see the mask like revealed, and he's been standing there. It's like one of the most iconic shots in the movie. Yes. And there's a lot of shit like that. A yeah, lot yeah. of great lighting in this movie. And I I also do feel like they do a pretty good job of making California look like this sleepy suburban fall town. For the most part, I don't know if they make it look like fall, but they they do make it look like a small town. Well, yeah. I almost feel like the lighting and stuff sort of makes it feel like fall to me. There is noticeable things. No question about it. But I think, I don't know, the way they angle things and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things in the movie, and something that jumps out to me every time I watch it, are those just fucking great shots from the Doyle house across the street to the Wallace house, and the way that the white Wallace house always looks oh, yeah. scary. Yeah, yeah. And you're basically seeing a lot of those shots from little Tommy's point of view. I also think that's just a cool part of the plot that, this is all kind of happening between these two houses. Yeah. But there's just something about the look of that house where it's sort of like almost out of focus or something. I don't really know what they're doing to that effect, but just the shots through the window, it's like got this ghostly sort of very fine mist almost around it because it's like I said, it almost feels like it's out of focus or something. And just those shots of Michael, his silhouette, like against the house, or when he's carrying Annie. Oh, from that the part's so creepy. Yeah, those are like the the best shots in the movie, in my opinion. Cundy was among the first cinematographers to make use of the Steadicam or Panaglide. We talked a little bit about, I think, the Steadicam in The Shining, but he used the Panaglide, which basically allowed for these long shots where the camera isn't like you know, bouncing yeah. around. This was all well, very new stuff for the 70s. The, the part when Lori and Annie are like walking home from school on the sidewalk towards that bush line. Yeah. is shot really cool. Michael steps behind it. Yeah. That's like a long shot. Yeah. Or the whole beginning. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> the, the POV the from view. the yeah. young Michael. 
The score by Carpenter, another thing done in the 10-8 time signature, all played on keyboard. Carpenter said he was influenced by both Suspiria and The Exorcist, which I believe we mentioned. I kind of feel like Jaws, too. (laughs) Like the simplicity of it, you know? Took him three days to do it, and it has lived forever. And even though it is clearly reminiscent of Tubular Bells from The Exorcist, I think it's the most iconic horror score. I would agree with that, yeah. Budgetary concerns led to one of those happy accidents that we talk about of good luck, in my opinion, because originally the script was going to take place over several days, and I don't really know how that would have worked. And condensing it all into one night, basically, except for the, the little prelude stuff. Michael Myers is like sleeping in between these events. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure how that would have worked. I guess he would have killed them over time, like in Scream or something. But I don't know. It just wouldn't have like felt as iconic. And that led There's them to be killers. like, well, what? what is the scariest night of the year? Okay, let's just make it on Halloween. Let's just call it Halloween. You know, it was like a gradual change from yeah. this idea of the babysitter murders, which is what it was originally called, into what it became. And sometimes you need those happy accidents oh yeah to just kind of guide you to the to, to the better answer that's the fortunate thing about the time period where not a movie has been made with every title <laughs> i kind of feel like we've now almost like reached <laughs> the threshold but like when at that point you're like hey halloween's out there why don't we just use that <laughs> halloween also is sort of credited with establishing the idea of the final girl It is true that a lot of feminist critics and writers criticized the film for glorifying violence and and felt like it was misogynistic, but there were also others that pointed out that in Halloween, women go from just the generic screaming victims to the heroines, notably Jamie Lee Curtis, who is the daughter of Janet Leigh, who is in Psycho. And if we're following the timeline where the next movie is the Halloween movie that came out in 2018, she's a fucking badass. Yeah, she's crazy, but yeah. Well, yeah, okay. (laughs) The right kind of crazy, in my opinion. Yeah, do you like Halloween 2018? I'm okay on it. Yeah, I think I would say I'm okay on it at best. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a movie that I have zero interest in ever watching again. I agree, but I almost feel like back around that time, you were like, trying to talk me into liking it more than I did. Yeah, well, when I come out of a movie, I'm always trying to talk everyone, including myself, into it. Unless and someone likes it. Yeah, then I'm talking them out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that was an F-minus for me. <laughs> Halloween is often cited as the beginning of the morality play in horror films that would get taken oh, to wow. the next level in Friday the 13th. I would have thought that that dated back further than this, but... People pointed out that Laurie is the goody two-shoes of the group who doesn't have sex and doesn't drink or really do drugs, although she does smoke pot in the movie, so that kind of pokes a hole in it right there. Carpenter has said over and over and over and over again that that is not what he was intending, but people have run with it. I certainly think you can watch that opening sequence and be like, okay, well, his older sister fucked and then is immediately killed, and then (laughs) the two wilder of the friends are killed. So you can start drawing some conclusions. He has his own reasons as to why that happens. He feels like Laurie is just paying more attention and the other two girls are distracted and that's why they never see Michael at the beginning of the movie when he's stalking them and it's always Laurie noticing him. 
and ultimately she's sexually frustrated and that's why she stabs him with phallic symbols over and over the knitting needle the knife and all that shit that's what he was saying i don't know if he was joking or not but yeah well i think other slasher movies took that to the extreme then where they literally made in friday the 13th like oh the counselors were busy having sex and partying and then jason drowns in the lake and there's a million ripoffs of those movies as well although for something that could even be used in a stabbing it it mostly has to be phallic (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) well she doesn't like home alone him to death or or anything hits him in the head with paint cans (laughs) or run over him with a car although that would happen in halloween too to the fake michael myers right yeah i don't know i think critics like to to overanalyze shit and i think there's some valid ideas there because it's not a stretch I mean, you can see his older sister immediately is killed after she has sex and is topless. And then the other two girls are definitely wilder than Lori. And Lori is clearly supposed to be a good girl, a million percent. But that's a situation where one and one don't necessarily make three. Like, there's a missing thing there that people are just sort of jumping to that conclusion and clearly, I just get the Carpenter sense that didn't these mean it. girls uh, are doing well for themselves, right? I mean, they're getting a lot of attention. What's wrong with that? Nothing. It's just, and I don't I'm think saying, Carpenter thought there was anything wrong with it either. It just yeah, that's no, how it played out in the movie. Right, right. I'm always just taking it that this is just part of their normal lives. Well, yeah, it is. But that's, <laughs> that's why not- they were killed. Erwin <laughs> <laughs> Yablins, a producer, and Mustafa Akkad, a so financier. Weird. And, like, as you go on in these other Halloween movies, right, Mustafa Akkad, that name continues to appear, right? Yeah. Which is always so weird because you're just like, well, this would just have John Carpenter's name all over it. But They approached Carpenter to direct a film for them about a psychotic killer that stalked babysitters. (laughs) He agreed to do it for full creative control. Him and his then-girlfriend, Deborah Hill, wrote The Babysitter Murders. Carpenter saw it as something cheap and grindhousey. Like I said, not too dissimilar from a lot of things that would come after it, like Slumber Party Massacre or something along those lines. And yet, after those 10 days of writing a script, mixing in Hill and Carpenter's backgrounds into it, Hill was from Haddonfield, New Jersey. Oh, All the streets are named after streets in Bowling Green, Kentucky, where Carpenter was from. I think Haddonfield is a great name for a town. Laurie Strode apparently was an ex-girlfriend of Carpenter's. Oh, no. They named a lot of people after Hitchcock characters, like Tommy Doyle is the policeman in Rear Window, and Loomis is a name from Psycho. Right. There's a character with the last name Wallace in it, too, and I was like, well, Tommy Lee Wallace probably worked on this film, right? Yeah, Tommy Lee Wallace is all over it. He was married to Nancy Loomis at the time. Yeah. Lucky son of a bitch. (laughs) Fucking legend. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure Annie Brackett was probably just the name of a woman that John Carpenter thought was immaculate. Well, I think Lee Brackett, her father, the sheriff, he right. was named after somebody. I think a screenwriter who or somebody that worked with Howard Hawks a lot or something. Okay, yeah, which we also have the Howard Hawks The Thing on TV in this movie. Halloween, as I mentioned, really became a collaborative effort more than just a director's passion project. The entire cast and crew came together. That's one thing that you learn from the bonus features. The entire cast and crew cleaned up 
the house they used for the Myers house so that they could shoot the beginning and it looks like a new house. It was the same house. Oh, wow, that's cool. And it was a house that was ready to be torn down. They just made it look like a real house. Like normal. Jamie Lee Curtis, the leading lady of the movie, was out there like helping them clean the house. Yeah, that's awesome. Carpenter's just like out there like grilling hamburgers for everybody (laughs) while they're like, do this. And I know like PJ Souls was talking about how the cast had a lot of input into the script. That's Linda, right? PJ Souls. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody was like married to the dialogue. You can bring what you want to it and all that stuff. That's awesome. And I do feel like more and more with these classic movies, you just hear these types of stories being way more of a collaborative effort than just one person's vision. Let's talk Michael Myers real fast before we get into it. Carpenter wanted to create somebody that was just a blank nothing, an unrelatable evil, no motivation, just a killing machine with an expressionless mask. Yeah. Ended up being made from a $1 Captain James T. Kirk mask. I was going to say William Shatner, right? Yeah. He's credited as The Shape, which I think is kind of funny and weird considering we know his name is Michael Myers. But he's played by a couple of different people in the movie. Tony Moran, when his mask is off, and I think Nick Castle most of the time, including maybe at the asylum. Sort of weird, inconsequential moment that you do see him without the mask. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't really have an impact on anything. I think it's just supposed to be weird that he's so locked in that it makes him stop and hesitate. That's true, yeah. And I think even Tommy Lee Wallace was sometimes Michael in the movie as well. Okay. Carpenter wanted to focus on the traditional haunted house folklore that is popular in virtually every town. Every small town in the U.S. has that house somewhere on a corner. Oh, sure. All the neighborhood kids are afraid of and they make up stories about... And then in this particular movie, the story ends up coming true. I can true. say you certainly don't want to be the real estate agent trying to sell it. Lori's dad. Right. Okay, so let's get into it. There's a lot to talk about with the movie itself. Let's not delay it any further. No, please. I want to start right at the beginning, the opening credits. I love the opening credits. I the would agree. The jack-o'-lantern. Absolutely. Which it's was like carved by Tommy Lee Wallace. Slowly, like, fading into, right? Like, like, the camera's, like, coming closer to it slowly. Yeah. The score by John Carpenter, legendary. It's just a really cool look. That's maybe the one little wrinkle in Halloween 2 I kind of liked, that the pumpkin splits and there's, like, a skull. Oh, yeah. It's so cheesy, but I kind of like it. I'm good with it. <laughs> I like that move. And I like that it's just a simple jack-o'-lantern, too. It's not something like trying to be scary or weird. It's just like the most basic yeah, traditional Halloween well, that's, symbol. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the beauty to this movie on a lot of levels is how simple it is. It's, it's not trying to do anything crazy. Like I said, I mean, even the score is not wild. I mean, it's pretty, it seems like a couple of different notes. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's like a beauty in the simplicity of this movie. Because I think if you're going to make a slasher movie in 2020, they're going to want way more blood, way more jump scares, there's not way really, more action. Yeah, there's not really that many kills in the movie. Yeah, and it takes a long time to really like heat up to the point where you want it to be. But I think that's what makes it so effective because you actually kind of care about these characters, yeah. which is very rare in a movie like this. Agreed. There's definitely a slow burn to it. I know that there are probably people that love 
all of the slasher movies of all the different franchises and stuff. And I've seen them all, but I couldn't tell you a single character from Friday the 13th. Not a single name. Not even the girl from the first one. Uh, yeah. Nor could I. And I could tell you Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street. And that's the only girl. Yeah. The only character I know. And I love I, I can name Nancy. the actors. Yeah. I love Nancy and I love the first Nightmare on Elm Street, but... Halloween, the three girls, I don't know, you just really know them. They seem so real and believable, even though Nancy Loomis and PJ Souls were almost 30. (laughs) That's the thing. I think Jamie Lee Curtis was 19 and the other girls were like 29 or something like that. I'm always just like, that's what people looked like in the 70s. Yeah, and I I feel like it's real. It feels real to me. (laughs) October 31st, 1963, Halloween night, Haddonfield, Illinois which is basically designed to just be small town USA. We see the Myers house. As I mentioned, this is the same house that will appear in the rest of the movie and look really shitty, but they clean it up nice for this beginning sequence. This whole thing is an extended point of view scene through the eyes of the six-year-old Michael Myers, who we don't really know yet. He's outside spying on his Older sister, Judith, through the window. She's with her boyfriend on the couch. This all gives the illusion of one long, extended, unbroken take through this whole opening thing right up to Judith's murder. But it's actually, there are like four cuts in it. Okay. Yeah, it feels like a tracking shot. that Just like a long sequence that keeps rolling. I think one is when he puts on the mask. So they somehow went all the way around the side of the house, into the house, got the knife, all that stuff. It looks awesome. And then he puts on the mask, and I think there's one after the killing or during the killing, and then there's one coming down the stairs, I think, or something like that. But yeah, there's like three or four cuts in it, but Which it is still feels pretty impressive. like one long yeah. thing. It's almost more impressive that they did cut it like three or four times and how seamless it feels. So Judith has this boyfriend. This is hilarious. <laughs> this so guy. They're, they're on the couch, and then they're like, all right, well, let's go upstairs because they're going to have sex. So Michael's still outside, and he looks upstairs, and he sees the second story light go out i timed it on my phone okay from the time that the light goes out <laughs> to the time that we see this fucking jabroni on the steps with putting his shirt back it's on. over how long do you think that was from the time that light goes out upstairs to the time you see him on the steps uh, i have no idea 20 seconds <laughs> no come on it was a minute and 11 seconds okay a minute and 11, and you can cut those 11 seconds and be like, well, that's the time he is putting his clothes back on, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even get my pants off in one minute and 11 seconds. I don't understand well, how this all happened. Judith Myers, you might have. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think for this guy, he pulled it out and shot it all over her face. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think there was any actual, like, there's not enough time to get it in and out. Like, Certainly just... not a lot of magic going on. And it's so funny, too, because he's kind of got like that attitude of like he's such a badass. Where he's like, <laughs> all right, honey, I'm leaving. Like yeah. immediately runs out the door. He's like lighting up a cigarette. <laughs> now that I'm done pleasuring you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I got to go talk to my friends about how much great sex I just had. I thought it was funny that this chick that plays Judith was topless in a what she probably thought was like a low budget grindhouse thing oh, that right. people were going to forget about in three weeks now like 40 and then in 2018 years later, i'm they like play that clip in a movie <laughs> that made like 
300 million dollars and i'm like watching it on like 4k on like a 60 inch tv (laughs) i don't know actually that's what i thought when we saw halloween 2018 when they replay this but i've since looked at that woman's imdb she was in a lot of movies like this okay where there was boobs being shown i I think i think she was pretty cool with it i will say it's not like the most clear thing no i mean it's not the most clear display of boobs that i've ever seen in my life you really gotta focus to get a good look so michael goes around the side of the house retrieves a butcher knife from the kitchen waits for his sister's boyfriend to bolt and then goes upstairs and stabs judith to death it does after beg- putting on a clown mask it does beg the question why, why tonight of all of all nights what happened here what why why did michael kind of go over the edge well isn't that What's great about this movie? Yeah, Didn't we just spend four yeah, minutes talking about that? There's, it's just so simple. There's no explanation. Right. That's what, for some reason, Rob Zombie just completely didn't understand when yeah. he made his movies. Let's give all of this explanation. Right. Let's really make Michael Myers a character. Uh, yeah, and then you find out how bad it can be. Yeah. Although I did like the uh, element of Michael Myers' mom being a stripper, played by Sherry Moon Zombie. Yeah, making him come from like a trash family, I just don't really understand how that benefits us. I agree. It's scary that they were sort of a normal suburban family that seemed kind of, you know. Yeah, we should probably not go too far down Middle class. I don't know. Well, that's the whole point of the show. Okay, all right. That's fine. Yeah, I just, I'm trying to keep it on the rails. This whole opening sequence furthers the inadvertent anti-sex message, but, you know, what can you do? The parents return home right as Michael comes outside with the bloody knife. Yeah. I've always found this little surreal zoom out crane shot like it's close to a freeze frame, but not clearly because they're moving. Right. But it's so weird and different. I've never really seen anything like it in a movie. I agree. I, I do feel like it, it does kind of capture just the horror that the parents would be like yeah but they seem slash, like mad like, but they don't even know what happened confusion i would say we well, yeah, the mom looks pissed yeah the dad just looks confused but they don't say anything it's right. just it, it almost belongs like in a different movie because it's so weird i agree but it does there's I'd nothing feel else like, like still, it in the movie yeah I, I i'm just like i feel like it does still fit the overall flick here we then move to Smith's Grove, Illinois, 15 years later, approximately October 30th, 1978. Michael's psychiatrist, Dr. Samuel Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance. All sorts of just great backstory being built in here with the way he carries himself about everything. I'm just a man with a mission, and my mission is to make sure that this dude never sees the light of day. <laughs> he fails miserably right. time and time again. <laughs> Yeah, Donald Pleasance was a veteran actor by this point, having already appeared in, I don't know, I, I don't even want to guess, like 40 movies? Yeah, it's yeah. a crazy amount of movies before this, including like James Bond movies and stuff. His character in, I forget which Bond movie it is, is kind of like the basis for Dr. Evil in a right. lot of ways. Okay. But anyway, yeah. he was intimidating to work with, I think, because Carpenter had only really made one real movie it's hard to say i mean you know he made like the student film what was that called dark star assault on precinct 13 yeah and that was assault on precinct 13 was like the real movie he had he had put out and he was pretty much unknown and this was like such a low budget operation obviously the character is dr loomis was was nancy loomis was loomis really her name or was that just no yeah right 
Her name's Nancy, Nancy Keys. Keys. Yeah. She I didn't know was if like, Keys was a married name post Tommy Lee Wallace. No, I think Nancy Loomis was just a made up stage name. Yeah, yeah. Just okay, that's what probably, I Probably she never really seemed like she was that into acting. She was just friends. Although she's almost like Fredo from The Godfather. What the John whatever that guy's name is that was in The Godfather, <laughs> The Godfather Part 2. <laughs> Deer Hunter. Yeah, she for her, like she was like, guy. yeah, she was like Halloween, Halloween three, the fog, <laughs> and then never in anything else again. That's true. Well, she was in Assault on Precinct Thirteen, right? And she does pop up unexpectedly in Halloween two for a second as a corpse. Yeah, good for her. <laughs> Although that's the one thing that I feel like Rob Zombie did right, which is like keep that character alive. Yeah, that's probably my favorite part is having Danielle Harris, who was the little girl in 4 and right. 5, play <laughs> yeah. Annie. And she survives at the end. But she gets killed in 2, though. Well, yeah, but we don't, we don't even count 2 as anything. And she shows her boobs in 1. I know. That was quite a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? Now I, I might need to rewatch those. <laughs> <laughs> I think Pleasance and Carpenter became good friends eventually. It was a little bit weird at first. Carpenter wanted to try to get a classic horror person. I think it was offered to Christopher Lee and maybe someone else as well. Lee later said it was the biggest regret in his career not taking the part. But I think the pay was like nothing. Well, who was involved with more Halloween movies? John Carpenter or Donald Pleasance? Donald Pleasance. Yeah, which is funny. (laughs) Yeah, well, once it became a hit, he changed his tune I see. pretty quick about it and was like all on board. But I think he appears in Escape from New York and That's that's correct, he does, which Prince I watched of Darkness, recently. I believe. So okay. he's he worked with Carpenter two more times. Yeah, we should say rest in peace, Donald Pleasance. That's right. Mustafa Akkad, who was killed in a terrorist attack I in think Jordan. Was Halloween and six Deborah Hill also. Donald Pleasance's last movie? Yes, I think there's well, like an RIP to him. I don't. He might have. Done he something. was. In, he was in like literally so many movies every year that okay, okay. there might have been a few things released after yeah. his death. He's like so not looking great in Halloween Six for the brief appearance that he's in it. Well, the most sad is Deborah Hill. She died pretty young. She was like in her fifties. Yeah, her and Carpenter were together for a while. I saw a lot of pictures of them like younger working on this movie. She was kind of. A smoke show back in oh, the day. Well, good for her <laughs> and him. And she became Jamie Lee Curtis's best friend after this movie. Dr. Samuel Loomis is with a colleague named Marion Chambers. They're driving to the sanitarium in order to drive and then escort Michael to court. We're hearing things from Loomis like he hasn't spoken a word in 15 years. He says, don't underestimate it. Much to the chagrin of Chambers, who's like, well, can we refer to him as a he? And he's like, if yeah. you say so. <laughs> There's a little shot of the rabbit in red lounge matchbook, which will come up later as a little bit of a clue. Yeah, not something I've ever paid much attention to. But Yeah, pretty much every movie yeah. we do now, I have to explain it for 15 minutes before we start recording. I need like the preamble, yeah. <laughs> You're uh, like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I will say, though, I do love this part coming up. It, it's probably like from a younger age, one of the things that I thought was subtle and great is the idea of these fucking mental patients just kind of walking around yeah. in the, I, I don't even know what to call it. I mean, they're out in like a field. Yeah. It's a haunting, memorable visual. 
It's a terrible rainstorm when the two of them arrive. There's flashes of lightning that illuminate the mental patients wandering around outside in the darkness. They look like ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe even the mindless zombies of a George Romero movie, just the way they're wandering around. I know. And it just, it it plays so weird because Loomis and our spunky friend here are just having a somewhat mundane conversation, albeit it is creepy. Loomis is like super intense all the time. Well, that's true. But then, yeah, you see this, the lightning strike and you just see these people in white like walking around and you're like, what the hell's going on? Carpenter's score kicks in again. Clearly something's wrong. I think that's the thing. It's just jarring because you know it's not right. Why would these patients from the hospital be walking around outside? At night in a storm. Loomis leaves the car to walk up to the gate. Suddenly, a patient hops atop the car from behind it. It's an effective scare. You just see it through the back window. Our nurse now is alone and vulnerable. A hand reaches into her open window, grabbing at Marion's hair and face. She retreats to the other side, but then that hand reaches down and shatters the passenger side window. Which seems nuts. With a dramatic and powerful slap. (laughs) Just slapping the window. (laughs) Marion just just like, fuck it, abandons the car. I like her. And we get a brief shot of the man still dressed in his gown from the sanitarium, hopping into the vehicle and driving off. That is one thing noticeable when years have gone on with this horror franchise the slasher all this killing and then you go back and watch this first movie a shocking amount of michael myers driving (laughs) yeah (laughs) dr loomis runs back it's too late but he understands what has happened he knows that it's michael so as you said who taught michael myers how to drive (laughs) they at least had the decency to make a comment about it okay in the next time that we see loomis when he's talking to that guy yeah but it is absurd. I know. There's no. <laughs> it's been locked up since he's six. It, you can't have these long monologues from Loomis talking about how he stares at a wall, doesn't talk, doesn't react, and then also be like trying to come up with a scenario in your head where someone taught him how to drive. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. But Although, you know, you have to look past it. I do like the survival of the uh, nurse, just because you would think this is sort of like an easy kill here. It feels like she's doomed, but... Well, he's probably figuring that if he wastes time on that, he might botch his escape. That's true. He's just got to get out of there. That's right. And Marion Chambers will be a big part of two, and I believe she's in H2O. That's correct. I th- Yeah, that's right. And I think she's going to be in Halloween Kills. Holy shit. Okay. Oh, just wait till we talk about Halloween Kills a little bit more as we go. All right. Some of the mind-blowing things that are going to be happening. I am just waiting. The next morning, it's Halloween in Haddonfield. We meet Laurie Strode, the OG Scream Queen, the definitive final girl. But right now, Laurie's ordinary. We see her drop off a key at the Myers old house, which is unoccupied and dilapidated and has a spooky rep in town. Lori's dad drew the short straw at the agency having to list this property. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand what the urgency is today of all days. It's been 15 years. <laughs> they couldn't get anyone to move in, I guess. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming that Michael's parents sold the house pretty quickly. That's the thing that's weird, though, when you think of Michael Myers as like an actual person. It's like, okay, he killed his sister. Maybe one or possibly both of his parents could be dead, but it's only 15 years. That's true. Yeah. 
Michael is only 21 years old. But you know, they're never coming back to Haddonfield. Yeah, but where are they is I guess what I'm saying. That's a good question. It's just they never really factor into it at all. I don't think they're going to visit him. No, probably not. I think that's probably off the table. Although Sherry Moon Zombie did for a while. That's true. Until she blows her brains out. (laughs) Didn't you think that... Well, maybe that happened. When you hear Judith talk... Don't you think she sounds like Sherry Moon Zombie a little bit? A little bit. bit, yeah. I was like getting a vibe. I think so. I think that's fair. Laurie is cute, but certainly not cool. <laughs> Can never not mention when one of our female characters is cute. Well, I'm only saying it yeah. because that to point out that she's a good-looking American teenage girl, but she's not cool at all. She's yeah. An older high schooler, but she's babysitting Tommy Doyle on Halloween night. And she'd rather be babysitting. That's the worst part. I do think that Halloween, the more time you go back in time, was like less of a big deal. Yeah. It's somehow gotten to be like bigger and bigger well, in modern times. I also get the sense that this character is uncomfortable in her own skin. <laughs> You know what I mean? She's just not ready to be living that life and, and uses this babysitting as like a defense mechanism. You know, it's, that's true. It's protective. Yeah. 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 I think that's a common thing in middle school and high school to sort of like preemptively yeah. block yourself from anything that you think might be embarrassing or yeah, could absolutely. be like hard to deal yeah. with. Yeah. Or in your 30s, even, I would say. <laughs> I have to babysit. That's right. <laughs> I can't do the podcast. <laughs> this was Jamie Lee Curtis's first film role she would go on a little bit of a run because even though halloween was a huge success it wasn't like she was getting a ton of offers or anything so she became a little bit of a scream queen known for horror movies because carpenter gave her a part in the fog that's right and she also made prom night and terror train back to back in the early 80s like around 1980 and then closed it out with halloween 2 and then that was it no more horror until Done. H2O. That's right. She happened to meet John Landis. Trading places. And then get put in trading places, which sort of took her to the next step as far as like being somebody other than a horror movie actress. Okay. As Jamie Kennedy says in Scream, she didn't show her tits until she went legits. That's right. <laughs> Would eventually go on to be in True Lies. Yeah. Obviously a, a huge monster career. movie. Yeah. Huge career. Oh, yeah. Same time, same place. Can we make jack-o'-lanterns? Sure. Can we watch the monster movies? Sure. Can you read to me? Can we make popcorn? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> you better hurry up. How come you're walking to school this way? My dad asked me to. Why? I have to drop off a key. Why? Because he's going to sell a house. Why? Because that's his job. Where? The Myers house. The Myers house. You're not supposed to go up there. Yes, I am. Lonnie Lamb probably won't get out of the sixth grade. I gotta go. I'll see you tonight. Bye. Bye. I wish I had you all alone. 
just the two of us. Michael Myers shows up in town. He stalks Lori all day, and eventually she notices. But this first time he sees her while he's standing in his old home while she drops off the key, she's clueless. Because he basically is just coming to town, and he's heading to his house. And just the fact that she's there, he's now like fixated on her as a target. Because there's definitely some stalking that goes on after this. Yeah, I think that's the whole reason. Now, he just sees her. And, and then... let's talk about it as if, <laughs> just within the context of this movie, not that she's his sister. Right. Yeah, I, I think you just have to say he's now decided that he needs to kill this person. <laughs> yeah, I think when you start trying to find motive in Michael Myers' action, you just kind of hit a brick wall, which is why a lot of the other movies suck. I agree. Because they try to explain this stuff, and, I and think, it's stupid. I think it like the senseless killing and just killing whoever like makes sense, but it's more... This becomes a hunt for him. He's really zeroed in on her as a target. Yeah, and then her friends as well. Right. The first time Laurie does notice him is when she looks out the window during class, and there's just something really wonderful oh yeah about the simplicity of a man in a blank mask standing still in the middle of the day staring yeah it's super effective because it's just weird how does he know which classroom she's in if anything i know you're like why doesn't she point this out right away like she just doesn't really react enough it's so weird you wouldn't know what to do yeah, like and you I, keep thinking it's something else, I think, is kind of the thing. Yeah, and I think probably I'm bringing to it just a knowledge of horror movies yeah, and yeah, also true right. crime where you're like... Something's wrong here. But back then, people just sort of rolled with things. And, yeah. You know, oh, that's a guy. It was much easier to be yeah. a serial killer back then. I have to say, I love the stuff during the day. Once we get into night and we have like our whole sequence of events with the deaths playing out obviously that's like the exciting part of the movie but i love this whole section of the movie like just him being around doing some light stalking around yeah but i do find it creepy so the thing that always is a mental block now for me with the daylight stuff is the green leaves of south pasadena where they filmed this i pay no attention to the green leaves (laughs) the occasional palm trees i'm just thinking i do i mean it's hard not to notice the palm trees how much cooler it would look if the trees were like fall foliage, I think. It Wait, just would I agree. look like Halloween to me. I'm not saying it's like a crushing blow. As I said, no. 10 out of 10, one of my favorite movies, yeah, everything yeah, else. Right. But once you start to look at everything, you're like, it doesn't look like the fall at all to me. It just seems like, I think they filmed it in the spring. So it, there's one scene where, <laughs> I'm be, I'm being really nitpicky now, but... There's literally one scene where it's dry and then like all of a sudden she's like walking down a different sidewalk and, and there's it's clearly wet as if it had just been raining. It's yeah. really weird. They I, painted like a hundred or so leaves. They blow them into some of the scenes. They did I'm the best they it. could. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I'm not distracted by it at all. I think the movie works. There is one thing I wanted to say about it, though. The first, I think one of my earliest memories of reading about movie blunders or whatever <laughs> is... For this movie. They they blundered it. Not the palm trees and whatnot, but just that all the license plates are California. Oh, yeah. I, I remember reading that in a magazine when I was like pretty young. Yeah, and that's sort of the drawback to, to the low budget and the sort of fly-by-night 
take on some of this stuff where it wasn't like this fever dream of a passion project for Carpenter where he's just sort of like, all right, well, let's make a, a slasher movie with some boobs and some blood. And there like, we go. you know, here we go. What else do you need? And there's some mountains occasionally in the background as well. But ultimately, the subtlety in Halloween as a time of the year is kind of cool because I think that that's how it was in a lot of parts of the country in the 70s. You didn't have crazy decorations in every yard. Well, it certainly was a lack of sexy nurse outfits or whatever. (laughs) Like, you see some trick-or-treaters in the movie, not a ton. There's, I think three or four pumpkins maybe in the entire movie because it was hard to get pumpkins in the spring in California. Like they're like, where are we going (laughs) to get them? Yeah. Someone messes up carving a jack-o'-lantern and they're just like, you blew it. (laughs) In Halloween 2018, there's tons of trick-or-treaters and tons of decorations and shit, but that is more of what it is now today. But I think in the seventies, it was more toned down. You know, okay. if they would have had yeah. more people's permission, maybe they would have decorated a few houses a little bit and That's thrown up a few things. But my memory of the 70s, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was in my 20s. In yeah, that's 70s. right. Yeah. Tommy Doyle is the kid that Lori's going to be babysitting that night, and he's bullied. The kids are yelling, the boogeyman's going to get you. That, he's basically Lori's best friend. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> she, she relates to Tommy more than anyone that's else. That's right. There's a fun little Michael encounter here where one of the bullies is like grabbed by Michael and then like looks up and runs away. And then it goes on this long prowl sequence of him heavy breathing, oh, yeah. soundtrack. He follows him and then he gets in the car. More point of view. Yeah. And he drives alongside of him. And it just goes on forever. And there's not really a lot of cuts in any of this stuff. And it's just something you would never see today in how movies are made. There's just something so comfortable about 70s style and filmmaking that you can really just oh, yeah. like sink into well, it just into this, the world that's the thing i mean obviously the opening sequence is pretty famous but we consistently are going into the perspective of the killer but you don't feel like you're living the movie through michael myers eyes when no. you're seeing it through his perspective you're able to do it because he is so unrelatable in this monster so it works like this weird dichotomy of we are seeing it from his eyes but it's not really his perspective by the way, Tommy Doyle played by a guy named Brian Andrews. What's he up to? Not being in Halloween Kills. <laughs> I he was going to be like, not being alive. Recast as Anthony Michael Hall, which is a giant LOL, because oh, we'll get shit. to that later. Okay. <laughs> in my opinion, because the fact that they didn't bring this guy back is such a beatdown on that guy, bro, <laughs> I, I feel like. Okay. 
One thing that jumps out, though, is there's a fucking adult man in a mask accosting children outside of a school. And I then agree. you're like, no well, it cares. was the 70s. Yeah. Right, that's true, yeah. People were just like, that's the way Everyone it is. Everyone left their doors unlocked. It was just a different time. And I guess you have to keep in mind that Michael's supposed to be 21. I don't know how things were back then, but nowadays people in their 20s are always dressed up for Halloween. So I don't know if it would have jumped out as much yeah. since it is Halloween. It's just like some jackass being a dick. That's it's the not thing. Anything y- you feel sinister. like um, Annie and Linda would be wearing a little bit different outfits. They would certainly be getting into the Halloween spirit, I think. Maybe, but that sort of plays in with why there's no decorations. I just don't know if it was like a thing that older people did. Now people never grow up and so people get dressed in costumes into their 30s and 40s and it's like really embarrassing but that's just the way it is i don't think i think if you dressed up at that age where they're supposed to be like seniors or something that was like completely uncool in the 70s yeah i I agree i think i i I think that's true too i think that it's only more so in our generation that it's like we live in this nostalgia generation that just can't grow up yeah and that's like just become a thing that people latch on to Maybe there were costume parties for high school age people, but they're not going to them. So yeah, which seems I, weird because okay, we get it. Lori's a nerd, but I don't know. We'll get into that. Their their whole plan of even if Annie's boyfriend like was Paul was like not going to be in trouble. I don't know. Their whole plan was just weird. I would agree with that. I was like, this is <laughs> what a- you're doing on Halloween night. <laughs> well, even the whole thing where they're having to like juggle babysitting duties. Meanwhile, Loomis is sounding the alarm with the police in Hanfield. He They're comes across half interested, I would say. He comes across the evidence that Michael has killed a mechanic for his coveralls, and the way he realizes this is seeing the rabbit in red lounge matchbook as the telltale clue. Although from what we can tell, doesn't actually see that a dude was murdered here. No. But he sees the path, I guess. Although yeah, he doesn't acknowledge the dead guy. Michael takes the same car. He didn't steal that guy's car, so mm. what is he even acknowledging here? I don't know. Unclear. Maybe you're supposed to think he does. See He's that. already found the guy, and that he like d- we're seeing this after. Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't call the cops. He doesn't want to get distracted. He's just got to right. stop. He's got a mission. After school, Laurie is walking with her friend Linda, played by PJ Souls. Her big thing in the movie is saying totally, which she says a lot. It's kind of like my thing on this podcast. (laughs) Amongst other horrible things. That's right. PJ Souls was married to Dennis Quaid at the time of this movie. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. She comes off as the wildest, maybe ditziest of the three ladies. Yeah, she even makes a comment about never bringing her books home from school. Right. There's kind of like a bimbo quality here. PJ Souls was probably the most established of the three girls. Or no, she definitely was. Because she had been in Carrie two years earlier. I see. And she was in rock and roll high school like the year after this. All right. So an she illustrious had career. The first beginnings of a career going on didn't really pan out for that much longer. Went off the rails. But she was somebody. Okay. <laughs> They're walking together. Linda's sort of just babbling about her plans or whatever. And then Annie comes along, played by Nancy Keys, who was going by Nancy Loomis for this movie. And she's essentially our dream girl. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, just a dream of a woman and a dream of a character. I don't really know why. I don't like curly hair, and her hair is insane. She's got clown hair. You know, I didn't used to, but as in my older age, I've, I've come to have an appreciation for it. 
It's not. I shouldn't say that I don't like it, but it's, you know, it's not usually my not usual preference. Typically, drawn especially to. short curly hair. because yeah. her hair's not even really that long. But she's just got. I mean, I think she's pretty, but like, oh, yeah. it's more about just her whole persona. Yeah, I mean, she's got the a attitude. Spark. Yeah, <laughs> she's sort of. She could really tell you what's up. You know, more in the middle. She's definitely more wild than Lori. She does have a boyfriend. She's sexually active. But she also babysits, and her dad is the sheriff of Haddonfield. So she's sort of walking that line between... Oh, yeah. She's not a full-blown Linda, but she's, she's not as dorky as Lori either. She, she, yeah, she likes to push boundaries, but I mean, you know, you got to have some degree of respect for boundaries when your dad's the sheriff. So even before she breaks the news about her boyfriend Paul being grounded, <laughs> it's hard to Me. even really tell what their big... Halloween night plan is so she's gonna babysit Lindsay Wallace yes and Paul is gonna come over and they're gonna have sex but in, in during this sex is Lin- Linda's gonna be sent over to the other house with Lori and Tommy I don't know that's what I I was wondering or they're just gonna leave you, know, her you mean w- Lindsay yeah Lindsay no I don't know <laughs> well I'm that's what I'm saying like they're gonna send Lindsay across the street for the sex, or are they going to have sex with Lindsay just watching TV on the couch? Because I feel like that's insensitive. Or after she goes to bed. Well, okay, fine. But also part of the plan is Linda and her boyfriend, yeah, Bob, are going to show up. And they're also going to have sex in this house. Well, it's just like when someone's got a house to be used. You know what I mean? <laughs> what a great opportunity. I actually have some weird memories of being a kid. and like Your babysitter's having sex in yeah, front of you? Not that, but... Definitely having boys over when they weren't. Oh, when, wow. When my parents weren't checking off on that. That certainly <laughs> happened, yeah. I don't really even remember having like an older female babysitter ever. I, there was a couple for me. Never long relationships there, but. <laughs> they were just like, no, yeah. thanks. <laughs> after the, after I was one like, time. do you want to play Sega with me? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, why are you wearing a Actually, diaper? I, but like, aren't you 11? <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember the girl at all, but there was definitely one that. A couple boys came over and they like put like firecrackers or something inside of like a stuffed football that I had. It was like it wasn't like a, you know, it it wasn't like an NFL game football. It was like a like a stuffed thing. And they like put like firecrackers in it or something like blew it up. And I was like, thanks, guys. I don't remember much of it, but she was promptly fired as my babysitter shortly after that. And also you were like 14 years old. The specific <laughs> memories that you have from certain times in life, you know, I I, I don't know. I couldn't have been much I, I, six years old, probably. I was like Michael Myers age. I actually stabbed her after she had sex with her boyfriend. Yeah, I think there's a certain time period in high school where you're just desperate for places to fuck. And this is this is a little relatable. I never pulled any moves like this where I was just showing up to a random. Yeah person's house that i didn't know it like you know i wasn't that far removed from it where i'm like i'm gonna go over to my girlfriend's friend's babysitting gig yeah, <laughs> or something like that but it still feels yeah kind of real i don't want to get too into it but i'll just say <laughs> it is something that you think about later in life like the shocking amount of disrespect you'd have for other people's beds or floors yeah or like or any part of their house anywhere yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there, yeah, I think there's like a time period, especially in guys' lives, but I think their girlfriends usually just go for it, where they're just animals, basically. Oh, yeah. And everyone, I think, experiences it in one form or another. There's definitely times that I can think back on right now 
where I'm just like, Jesus Christ, what, what was I doing? <laughs> like, why would I do that? Yeah. <laughs> That's so embarrassing like, really? to think about. Like, you couldn't control yourself. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, I don't know. It's just, happening beyond high school into, like, college age. Where you just, come on. Well, luckily, it's something we don't have to worry about anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have three new cheers to learn in the morning. The game is in the afternoon. I have to get my hair done at five, and the dance is at eight. I'll be totally wiped out. I don't think you have enough to do tomorrow. Totally. As usual, I have nothing to do. It's your own fault, and I don't feel a bit sorry for you. Hey, Linda, Lori, why didn't you wait for me? We did. 15 minutes. You totally never show. That's not true. Here I am. What's wrong, Annie? You're not smiling. I'm never smiling again. Paul dragged me into the boys' locker room. Exploring uncharted territory. totally charted. Just Sure, sure. Old Jerko got caught throwing eggs and soaping windows. His parents grounded him. He can't come over to her. I thought you were babysitting to me. The only reason she babysits is to have oh, a place for shit. I have a place for that. I forgot my chemistry book. So who cares? I always forget my chemistry book and my math book and my English book and my, let's see, my French book and, well, who needs books anyway? I don't need books. I, I always forget all of my books. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't really matter if you have your books or not. Hey, isn't that Devon Graham? I don't think so. I think he's cute. Joke? You know, Annie, someday you're gonna get us all into deep trouble. Totally. I hate a guy with a car and no sense of humor. Well, are we still on for tonight? I wouldn't want to get you in deep trouble, Linda. Oh, come on, Annie. Bob and I have been planning on it all week. All right. The Wallaces leave at 7. I'm babysitting the Doyles. It's only three houses down. We can keep each other company. Oh, terrific. I've got three choices. Watch the kids sleep, listen to Linda screw around, or talk to you. They're walking home. Annie and Lori are discussing their babysitting gigs and how they're going to be on the same street. Linda reaches her house, so then it's just Annie and Lori. You referenced this a little bit ago. There's that moment where Michael appears from behind the hedge and then disappears when Annie goes up to him. It's a fun yeah. little scare, and it's further evidence that Lori notices things that Annie and Linda are just oblivious to. So she's sort of on a different plane where she's aware that something is weird is going on, but she doesn't really know what it is. Right. There's just this guy in a mask that's been following her around all day, basically. Yeah. And Annie's just like a badass. She's like, I'm going to go confront this dude. It's more that she just isn't even... In her mind, there's nothing there, right? Or if there is, it's not dangerous. Well, it's yeah. just There's no danger. That would be impossible. And they you are live just in like, like, what a... happened? Did Michael Myers scurry off? <laughs> yeah, every time we see him on camera, he walks so slow, and yet there's times where he has to have run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what time tonight? 
I don't know yet. I have to get out of taking my little brother trick Saving or treat. treats for Bob. Funny. See ya. Bye. Bye. Look where? Behind the bush. I don't see anything. The guy who drove by so fast, that one you yelled at? Oh, subtle, isn't he? Hey, creep. Laurie, dear. He wants to talk to you. He wants to take you out tonight. Tragic, you never go out. You must have a small fortune stashed from babysitting so much. Guys think I'm too smart. I don't. I think you're wacko. Now you're seeing men behind bushes. Well, home sweet home. We spent some casual time with Lori and her friends to get to know them so that we care about them later. They're the definition of American girls, teenagers, babysitters. They're all very cute, but they don't look like how actresses look now with Agreed. like almost yeah. like photoshopped faces. I, I, Against, I know that's crazy, but yeah. like flawless faces, a lot of makeup, perfect hair. Like it in the audio commentary, Jamie Lee Curtis is pointing out how she had a perm before they started doing this movie and then basically had to try to get rid of it. And her yeah. hair's like super frizzy and that's like blown out looking. Yeah. That's real. That's what people look like. I think kids today, whether they're actual teenagers or they're a little bit older and they're playing teenagers they all look way too perfect yeah i know i think we talked about it on like the jaws episode too because it's just like the the idea of normal looking people being the characters in movies if jaws came out now like liam hemsworth would be like the richard (laughs) dreyfus character or something you'd be like okay this isn't relatable i'm just gonna go fishing with liam hemsworth i love the part where michael myers is standing among the hanging laundry when Lori looks out of her bedroom window Agreed. and then he's gone immediately. And now you start to think, is he there? And that or one, is she now imagining him because she keeps seeing him? That's the thing. And, and you can't really say definitively on this one. It feels more like he's not there. For yeah. Cause one. it's so fast. Yeah. But who knows? It's more fun. I think when in the Halloween franchise, they dance around the supernatural rather than the uh, times Halloween where it has to be and, supernatural. Yeah, now, if we're being serious, the end of this movie is supernatural, of course. He gets shot six times and oh, yeah. somehow fine. Absolutely. But up until that point, there's nothing supernatural about right. it. Dr. Loomis arrives in town and discovers that Judith Myers's headstone has been stolen out of the cemetery. Which you do wonder, was his idea was to go straight to the cemetery? I guess. Because we just cut to him talking to this guy that works at the cemetery. He came home. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he says. And he's like, I knew he was going to stop here first. This okay. is how good of a doctor I am. I knew he was coming to this cemetery first. Yeah. Judith Myers. Myers. Row 18, plot 20. 
Yeah, you know, you know, every town is something like this, Hatton. I remember over in Russellville, old Charlie Bowles, about 15 years ago. One night he, he finished dinner and he, he excused himself from the table and he went out to the garage and he got himself a hacksaw. And then he went back into the house and he kissed his wife and his two children goodbye and then he proceeded... Where are we? Uh, huh? Oh, uh, it's uh, right over here. Yeah, Myers, Judith Myers, I remember her. Couldn't believe it. Such a young boy. Larry, you lost? Why do they do it? Goddamn kids. They'd do anything for Halloween. Who's Gregson? Oh, I know. 18, 19. Judith Myers. He came home. Okay, so this next sequence here is one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's sort of a, a, a long, continuous thing that, that goes on for a while up until it gets dark, but I'll sort of go through it. But this whole little time period here is a lot of fun to me, especially the end of it. Annie picks Laurie up before they have to go babysit. They're driving around, smoking a joint, listening to a little Blue Oyster Cult, Don't Fear right. the Reaper. Yeah. And Lori smokes too. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, what are they talking about here? Fucking <laughs> stoned age. Yeah. They're just looking for ways to get stoned and get chicks. <laughs> Lori was like, oh, I love this song. And, and he's like, look, every band. <laughs> yeah, listen to the stoned age episode to get that. Yeah, yeah. Lori is trying pot and is willing to do it, but she's not. I mean, she's coughing. She's not a regular or anything like that. Yeah, she's certainly not buying a dime bag from the guy in the alley behind the school. Annie's trying to get Lori to open up and have fun. They're followed by the stolen car with Michael driving, but they don't know. I always think it's weird, too, that Annie's just screams out, my dad, when they're so far away from the hardware store. And then when they cut to them driving, you're like, yeah, okay, that might be your dad way up there. You don't have to drive all the way up to it and then roll down the window. Like, if you thought that you could oh, turn know. right. Yeah. Like, they're not even to that intersection yet. <laughs> right. It's so weird. You still spooked? I wasn't spooked. Lie. I wasn't. I saw somebody standing in Mr. Riddle's backyard. Probably Mr. Riddle. He's watching me. Mr. Riddle was watching you? Lori, Mr. Riddle is 87. He can still watch. It's probably all he can do. What's the pumpkin for? I brought it for Tommy. I figured carving a jack-o'-lantern would keep him occupied. I always said you'd make a fabulous Girl Scout. Thanks. For that matter, I might as well be a Girl Scout myself tonight. I plan on making popcorn and watching Dr. Dementia. Six straight hours of horror movies. (laughs) Little Lindsay Wallace won't know what hit her. What happened? What? What happened? 
Ben! Oh, uh, somebody broke into the hardware store. Probably kids. You blame everything on kids. Well, now, all they took was some Halloween masks, a uh, rope, and a couple of knives. Well, who do you think it was? It's hard growing up with a cynical father. Aren't you going to be late? Huh? I said, aren't you going to be late? He shouts, too. Bye, girls. Bye, Dad. Bye. What's the matter with you? I think he knew. I'm sure he could smell it. No, he didn't. He did. See the look on his face? <laughs> he always looks like that. So, yeah, we already met Annie's dad briefly, Sheriff Brackett. He's at the hardware store. There was a break-in. There was a stolen mask, a rope, and a couple of knives. We know that this was Michael. Yeah, what is this mask? <laughs> like, yeah, we know what it really blank is, but man. why is this at a hardware store? <laughs> well, that plays into Halloween 3, where they didn't have spirit Halloween stores right, opening up. True. Random fucking general stores and main street stores and whatever in small towns just sold halloween crap that's true in october and I, that was yeah, it you're right this town got four masks everyone <laughs> had to divide up between yeah, yeah. those four some fucking kid had his eye on this mask too and was like so <laughs> bummed that it was gone somehow sheriff Brackett can't smell the pot in the car doesn't really acknowledge it so nancy keys who plays annie was born in 1949 which would make her around 29 when this movie came out. Charles Cyphers, who plays her dad, Sheriff Brackett, was born in 1939, so he's only 10 years older than her. He was about 39 yeah. when this movie came out. Are you seeing where I'm going with I kinda this? I kind of am, yeah. I think. Basically, if I was around, I could have played her dad <laughs> in <right>. this movie. <laughs> You're like, I'm your dad now. I just thought that was so weird. Yeah, that is Because weird. Sheriff Brackett, that guy, Charles Cyphers, is still alive, and he's going to be in Halloween Kills as well. Yeah. According to the cast list. Well, and she's still alive too, right? Nancy Keys? Yeah, but not Annie, so she's not going to be in Halloween <laughs> yeah, Kills. I know. Although I was like, could they figure out a way? <laughs> Please. I know. Anyway, I love how we're going crazy about a woman that's 71 years old, basically. Well, listen, she's older than my parents. 70s. <laughs> I know. Loomis arrives and meets Sheriff Brackett. Somehow just misses Michael driving by at the key moment. <laughs> yeah. So this little added scene here is the scene that I love the most out of this sequence, which is why it's my favorite little part here. One of my favorite parts. They didn't really have enough time. <laughs> the movie was coming up short. So they had to add another scene. And they're like, all right, well, we need a scene to transition from day to night. So they have Annie and Lori driving where the sun is setting and it's like coming through the windshield. It's just... Oh, yeah. Absolutely yeah, gorgeous it looking. Is. It Absolutely. looks incredible. I know. It's like the old lens flare. Yeah, it's almost like Terrence Malick-esque. <laughs> it looks so cool. <laughs> These two are just like not saying anything, but there's like whisper tones over the scene. <laughs> Swelling orchestral music. That's right, yeah. Annie is sort of like teasing Lori about going to this dance, and she brings up some boy, and then Lori's like, I'd much rather go with Ben Tramer. And Annie's like, Ben Tramer. Finally revealed. I knew it. (laughs) That Lori is. And this is cute. I don't know if this. Yeah, she's just a dirty (laughs) hoe. I I get that this was added in, but this is like gold. This is the stuff that makes you care even more. This makes them real. 
they're talking about their plans for yeah. the next day and the next night. Oh, totally. And I'm so just it like, adds like a layer to their character. I want to be a high school kid in the 70s, like trying with to be 29 with 29-year-old chicks, chicks yeah. in your class. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? Annie drops Lori off, and here we go. Nighttime. Dark is here. Oh, yeah. We see Michael arriving literally like right behind them. Right. He watches Annie go into the Wallace house. She's going to babysit little Lindsay. Meanwhile, Sheriff Brackett and Dr. Loomis investigate the old Myers house. Loomis is adamant that Michael poses a very real and immediate threat. Yeah, although I I don't love his plan here. I'm just going to stay at the house. I I guess he just doesn't know where else to go. Yeah. Where else? He's been here. He'll come back here. Brackett is doubtful of the danger, but agrees to patrol the streets looking for him while Loomis waits at the Myers house, expecting Michael to return. To be fair to Brackett, he also is like, listen, if this guy's as crazy and as dangerous as you say he is, then I should probably be doing more. <laughs> and Loomis is just like, no, that'll just cause a panic. Yeah, and he's like, we should alert alert the authorities. He's like, no, they'll see him on every street corner. Which does happen in Halloween too. Oh yeah, where they kill the wrong guy yeah, and results then, in the unfortunate death, and of no them. one seems to care. Yeah. They're just like, all right, well, that is the best part of Halloween too. Let's be honest though, Loomis is a drama queen. He is, and he's secretly loving this, running around with a gun and everything. Like, oh yeah, this is the best night of his life, and he gives the incredible Devil's Eyes speech, d- which is reminiscent oh, yeah. of Jaws Absolutely. a little bit. Yep. Yeah, yep. But it makes you understand. The severity of this character, Michael Myers, it really like drives home. You do the evil. love a uh, psychiatrist with a license to carry, though. Come on. Okay. In 1980, the television rights to Halloween were sold to NBC for approximately three million dollars. After a debate among Carpenter, Hill, and NBC's standards and practices over censoring of certain scenes, Halloween appeared on television for the first time in October 1981 to fill the two-hour time slot. Carpenter filmed 12 minutes of additional material during the production of Halloween 2. The newly filmed scenes include Dr. Loomis at a hospital board review of Michael Myers and Dr. Loomis talking to a then six-year-old Michael at Smith's Grove telling him, you fooled them, haven't you, Michael, but not me. Another extra scene features Dr. Loomis at Smith's Grove examining Michael's abandoned cell after his escape and seeing the word sister scratched into the door. Oh. Finally, a scene was added in which Linda comes over to Lori's house to borrow a silk blouse before Lori leaves to babysit, just as Annie telephones asking to borrow the same blouse. (laughs) The very blouse I was going to return. Him with the young Michael seems familiar. Do they have scenes like that in Halloween 2? They have a scene like that in Rob Zombie's Halloween. I've seen all of these scenes, Yeah. Have they been on the TV airings that they continue to show? I think so. It seems familiar to me. I mean, it's been a while, but they, they sound familiar. The new scene had Lori's hair hidden by a towel since Curtis was by then wearing a much shorter hairstyle than she had worn in 1978, which, by the way, she wears a wig during Halloween 2, which is pretty obvious, actually. Okay, so I just wanted to get that out of the way. That's where the the sister thing starts, and then it is pounded home by Marion Chambers, the nurse. She's just like, oh, yeah, this Lori Strode chick, that's his (laughs) Like She just starts blurting it out. You're (laughs) like, wait, what? Okay, Lindsay's played by Kyle Richards, who fans of reality TV will know from 224 episodes of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Whoa. Yeah, she's kind of like a cougar-esque character who's known amongst reality people. She's like a big reality TV right, star. sweet. And she is returning for Halloween Holy kills. Holy shit. <laughs> which means... 
the, the guy that plays Tommy Doyle is the only original person. They're like, no thanks. We need to recast We you. need a better person. Yeah. <laughs> Michael stalks Annie at first, and we see him in the window a couple of times and just all over the place. Nice little scares. Oh, and yeah. Tommy over at his house, while Lori's babysitting him, looks across the street, and we see the shadow of the boogeyman obsessed by the way, is Tommy with the boogeyman. He won't shut up about it. Yeah, it's but been brought up multiple times throughout the movie. That shot of him just, I guess, with his back to the Doyle house because he's looking into the window where oh, right. Annie is, and you see it from across the street. That's one of the shots I was talking about. It looks so cool. Yeah, yeah. Michael kills the Wallace's dog. Sad. They accomplished this by just having a guy pick up the dog and then filming it in slow motion. <laughs> so it looks like his legs yeah. are just slowly... But meanwhile, right, dogs, right. you know, are yeah, like yeah, kicking. Yeah. Them. So it's basically the dog is just kind of doing its normal, like oh, trying cool. to adjust yeah, its legs, that. and yeah. they just like filmed it in slow motion. Yeah, it works. I do like Annie in the kitchen spilling uh, what, popcorn butter on herself, and I just put something yeah. on herself because I don't really know. <laughs> but it requires her to basically take all of her clothes off. <laughs> I know. Which I like. No bra, by the way immediately starts taking your clothes off while she's calling to Lindsay, which right. I thought was yeah. weird. I was like, it, I mean, I get that they're both girls, but it, it seems a little weird that would you would agree. just be like, hey, come in here. I'm stripping in your kitchen. She's shaking her jugs all over yeah. the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> your in-theater reaction during this stuff was, was hilarious. Yeah. I don't know if it was like this initial time where you see her like from behind where you see like a lot of her back boob yeah, or yeah. side boob or if it was like later when, when she's, she's stuck in, in the, the window. Yeah. But there was just this like sharp inhale of breath coming Audible from you. You're like, gasp. <laughs> <laughs> which I totally got because I was absolutely I was vibing on oh, it big yeah. time, too. I think it might have been the window because like her underwear is sort of like wedged in the crack of her ass. <laughs> that might have been it. I don't know. Yeah, and that's like enough to really, you know, get it going. Annie's just the best. I would agree. So she goes to do her laundry because she's going to like wash her clothes, but they have their washing machine. Out in like a separate, I, I don't even know what you call this It's like building. a shed. I just put, it's like an outbuilding, but it's like a little shed where they have their laundry stuff. And then she somehow gets locked inside of that. Right. I guess Michael does it to her, but yeah, I don't, I don't know really why. get this. This is it's kind of a weird scene because you feel like she's going to be attacked or something here. Yeah, Michael's hanging around. We see him in the door of the laundry building, and then right. we I call it a building, the shed, <laughs> yeah. and also in the window. And you're like, all right, any minute now, he has so much time to he's do gonna it. Bust, he's going to do one of those moves where he slaps the window and it breaks, <laughs> <laughs> like he's good at doing. Well, he's just having fun watching this because yeah. she's. I mean, who doesn't? Wouldn't love you be though? A hot chick rocking the button-down shirt, who I'm assuming is like Mr. Wallace's shirt. Like Not Lindsay's anybody dad. I know. I, I mean, I would think everybody likes that. Yeah, you don't actually see it in real life ever, but <laughs> it's <laughs> but a fun movie thing. Absolutely. Where a girl just puts on a, a man's long-sleeve button-down uh, with, with no nothing bra, else. And, yeah, and, and just a nice pair of undies. And she just rocks this the rest of the movie, including when she's about to drive to go pick up her boyfriend. Absolutely. But we'll get to that know, later, which I thought was insane. That's what I mean. I mean, just, just that level of confidence. How could you not be drawn to a, a woman like this? Michael's just hanging around, but he doesn't attack. Annie gets locked in. She's trying to get out. She ends up getting stuck in the window trying to climb out. Paul calls the Wallace house, and he wants to fuck. So now once Annie gets out of the laundry room, when Lindsay comes and gets her, she's got a scheme. So, <laughs> Paul 
wants Annie to come pick him up. Legend. <laughs> yes. He's like calling for pussy and then he's just like, hey, could you come pick me up by the way? And she's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was like something I probably would have done. Sure. Just refusing to leave. That's right. So she takes Lindsay over to the Doyle house. She just crosses the street in this outfit we've described, just throwing a blanket over her shoulders as if that's close. Enough, yeah. To spend the night with Lori and Tommy. On the TV, we hear the Halloween 3 voice. It's the same announcer voice. It's Tommy Lee Wallace, by the way. Lindsay doesn't want to budget first, but then Annie's like, well, don't you want to watch TV with Tommy Doyle? Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay. Should we actually like point out Tommy Lee Wallace is a, a show favorite for those of you? Who, well, we've done a couple of movies. Yeah, who don't his. know why we'd be bringing him up. Uh, yeah, he, he directed Halloween 3, which, of course, we love. And Stephen he, King's It. It made for the TV. The miniseries, yeah. yeah. The movie on the TV is The Thing from Another Planet, which is the original version of The Thing, which John Carpenter would go to remake in four years after this, which yeah, is I crazy. Know. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it's cool because I still to this day have never seen Howard Hawks' The Thing, but wouldn't have known that opening graphic of yeah. the title sequence, you know, he basically replicated that in John Carpenter's version. The next part of the movie is Annie's murder, Sad. which is a huge bummer. That's right. I wish that Linda got killed first so we could have more Annie. Same. But whatever. This whole sequence is awesome. The suspense and anticipation are built up effectively. When Annie is trying to go to her car, the door is locked. She forgot her keys. She goes back into the house. Everything is so stretched out. Oh, yeah. She doesn't even know where the keys are at first. She goes, she passes the purse. And then she circles back. Then she goes to the mirror, checks her <laughs> right. hair. It's this long, drawn-out thing that's so... Suspense is building. Perfect, because when she gets back to the garage, all of a sudden, her car door is unlocked, and she gets in. And then there's that beautiful realization on her face just before Michael yeah, yeah. jumps up in the back seat and strangles her and then eventually slits her throat. But the way that oh, yeah. that's all orchestrated, where she... It's so like off in her own world. She's singing some made up song about her boyfriend, Paul. So absentmindedly, she has to go get her keys. She comes back. The door's unlocked, which was the whole reason that she remembered to get the keys. Right. And then it's unlocked. And then realization and then murder. Oh, I know. <laughs> Perfect. But sad that Annie is now. Yeah, she out was going to pick yeah. up her boyfriend in only a button down shirt and panties. Yeah, you know what? Not even the girls I dated would have pulled that move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a it, wild move. You know, it's in high school. Sad for Annie, who's now dead. S- sad for her dad, certainly. But you really feel for Paul. <laughs> yeah. Paul, Paul. Although he was probably tired of it, let's be honest. Yeah, but I mean, this would have been quite a surprise. <laughs> she seems like she would have worn out her welcome real fast. <laughs> just, you know, a lot yeah. of opinions. Paul's just like, enough. <laughs> We're joking, of course. Also, it's weird that her car is just in the Wallace's garage. Could you ever imagine a scenario where you're like babysitting at someone's house and you're like, I'm going to pull my car in their garage? Yeah, it is a little presumptuous. I don't know. It's weird. Another iconic shot happens as Tommy looks across the street and sees Michael carrying Annie from the garage (laughs) into the house. Yeah, which it is a great shot. Also, and he freaks out every time. Yeah. Lori doesn't believe him. She's getting pissed at him. She's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. But Lindsay's like, I believe you, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> then Linda and Bob show up in a big van at the Wallace house to screw. What about yeah. Bob's joke about Lindsay? What do you think about that, Matt? <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought it was inappropriate. I'll say that. I He's like, I'll, 
I'll rip off my clothes, then I'll rip off your clothes, and then I'll rip off Lindsay's clothes. Oh, and yeah. then Linda just laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's good that Michael killed them. Maybe they were going to get into some dark stuff. Well, I, th- I certainly thought that the joke was in poor taste. I, I don't know how far this would have gone, but... <laughs> I know, it was just a joke. <laughs> Oblivious to Michael being in the house, they make out on the couch. They don't know where Annie is. They don't know what's going on. So Linda calls over to the door. I love how they just have these numbers. Like, how does she even know the like, Doyle's number? Yeah, like, And then also just the comfort with which Bob made a joke about Lindsay as if he knows who she is. You know what I mean? Why would you know the girl? Like, I guess just maybe small all town. these. Yeah, they're all family friends. I guess. <laughs> you just have to go with it. Lori says that Annie went to go pick up Paul. Paul. She's a little confused as to why she's not back yet, but... Whatever, Linda Should and Bob be distracted, yeah. go have sex in the upstairs bedroom with a jack-o'-lantern next to the bed. Shocking. Yeah. I don't know uh, So you many think who... that Michael put the jack-o'-lantern there? I'm not ready to say that. I-, I don't know. I don't think so, because where did it come from? I, I think it was just already there, which is weird. Yeah, I thought you were floating that idea earlier. I, 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 that so had... you're thinking like, oh, it's weird because Lindsay's parents left a lit jack-o'-lantern in their bedroom. Why would that ever happen? Yeah, it seems well, like a fire hazard. It's possible that Linda and Bob lit it, but it was already there Okay, fair. for a little bit of uh, ambiance. Yeah, very <laughs> sexy, romantic ambiance. <laughs> Well, they're high schoolers. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's gonna be. A, I get it. A little fuck sesh in the sheets, which is so gross. It's so grotesque know, to think that there were other people having sex in your bed. This is what I was alluding to earlier. Yeah, <laughs> just horrifying. Afterwards, Bob goes downstairs for beers, and Michael emerges from a closet, stabs him to death, and leaves him stuck to the wall with a knife. Yeah. Do the physics of this make no, sense? No, but it's kind of a cool visual. I agree. Yeah, he would just. And you kind. I think this is kind of where you really see just the physical presence of Michael Myers. The fact that he can just like pick a high school dude up, have him against the wall and stick a knife through him, you know? Yeah. And to me, there was always something cool about Michael basically being the same size as Bob and looking like a normal sized person, which somehow again was completely missed by Rob Zombie who decided to make Michael Myers this monster seven foot huge hulking thing. And you're like, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's there's horror in something that looks not horrible but turns out to be evil you know what i mean i agree yeah we talked about it in basically every episode of this greatest october almost you know and this I is do. another example by the way of a small budget horror movie that became this iconic thing a Paved lot of the, the way. movies we yes. did were pretty small budget this this time around they're usually the best ones it seems michael slowly regards bob's dead body by tilting his head back and forth like an animal, inhuman. This always stuck out to me, too. Yeah. And it's something they definitely carried on with the character for movies to come, I would say. Michael then poses as Bob in a ghost costume with Bob's glasses on the outside and goes upstairs to Linda. Kind of a weird move. You know what I mean? (laughs) The fact that he does this. This was an idea from Deborah Hill that Carpenter liked and incorporated into the movie. It does seem out of character, but we're also basing our idea of what his character should be on everything. Whereas this was just something they were making up as they were going. Exactly, yeah. I don't think Carpenter gave a fuck 
yeah. about a backstory, right. about sequels. He definitely didn't want there to be but sequels Now we're basically like, Michael Myers is like a master of disguise. This is, mind games are being played. Yeah, it, it seems like a goof, like a yeah, joke yeah. that later on he wouldn't really ever do anything like this. Well, did you get my beer? <laughs> cute, Bob, real cute. See anything you like? matter can i get your ghost bob <laughs> all right all right come on where's my beer well can't you answer me okay don't answer me are you weird well, I'm gonna call Lori. I wanna know where Paul and Annie are. This is going nowhere. Finally. Hello? Uh, 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 Hello? All right, Annie. First I get your famous chewing, now I get your famous squealing. This is a joke. Annie? Annie? Linda tries teasing with her titties, but there's no reaction. Oh, no. Annoyed, Linda calls Lori, but Michael strangles her to death with the telephone cord just as Lori picks up. Lori thinks it's Annie calling during sex or at least just goofing around. (laughs) Some friendship these... Chicks have. It's They're just, a little bit mean to Lori. Yeah. I, we love Annie so much, but the truth is she's kind of a bitch to Lori a little bit. And they are always like kind of throwing it in her face, like how much sex they're having and how much she's not. A little bit. Linda isn't exactly mean to her. She's just sort of off in her own yeah. bimbo world. Whereas <laughs> like Annie's kind of got little comments. Not anything horrible, no, no. but yeah, it does the fact that Lori would think that they were still goofing on her by like either actually having sex or pretending to. Right. Seems par for the course for their friendship. But she is concerned. Meanwhile, the idiot, Dr. Loomis, finally (laughs) spots the stolen car and knows Michael is close. He begins searching the streets just as Lori decides to go investigate what's going on over at that creepy-looking Wallace house. Oh, boy. When Lori discovers the horror show in the upstairs bedroom... Oh, yeah. There is literally only 15 minutes left in the movie. That's right. So there is an action-packed climax now. This yeah. is the only time that they actually like interact with each other, and it's all 
taking place right at the very end, which is why it's so much cooler and this to is have this take place over one night rather than multiple nights. This is something that kind of came back in the 90s teen thrashers, the whole like revealing all of the, like, the dead bodies in like one yeah. shot. One A lot sequence, of people yeah. picked up on that from this, I think. Lori finds Annie's dead body laid out on the bed with Judith Myers' headstone leaning upright against the backboard of the bed. Yeah, it is a little bit of a theatrical production from Michael Myers. I think they were still tying it in with normal motivations, but just ones that we couldn't necessarily understand. There was something tied in with his sister. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, maybe he was sexually assaulted or physically assaulted or something happened. Right. But we don't know, which is why it's better. Agreed. Rather than in yep. Halloween, Rob Zombie, where he's just like this bullied, abused kid that seems kind of normal that just goes off the rails. Yeah. We don't know what the story is, but right. th- it's still tied in with like weird shit. Like he's obsessed with his sister. He's projecting that onto these other girls. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Bob has been hung upside down in what seems like a closet doorway. I'm not really sure. The knife still seems like it's in his chest. Linda, eyes open, dead in a cupboard. I like the dead eyes that Linda and I think Annie did it in the car too, where they're like, you know, like oh, yeah, yeah. crossing their right. eyes and yeah. stuff. It's a little over the top, I'm but good I love with it. it. Yeah. Lori screams. She's the only one who saw this stalker earlier in the day, and now she's the only one who has any advanced knowledge of the horror looking to descend upon her. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the other people were all oblivious up until the moment they were killed. Whereas That's right. all of a sudden she knows something's wrong. Even if it even if she were to get killed in a minute, it's like she saw it first. She cowers in the hallway awesome reveal of michael waiting in the darkness where just the light slowly reveals that he's standing there he attacks laurie with a wild stab (laughs) i know it does feel like he's normally better yeah (laughs) it mostly just slices her sleeve she then falls backwards over a railing onto a staircase which which, does seem like this would fuck her up more that's why she's in the hospital yeah that's true in uh halloween too she's got like a hip injury or something that's right yeah god i'm gonna go home and watch rob zombies halloween 2 tonight (laughs) (laughs) for 45 minutes and then just be like fuck it i'm turning this off you'll be like you know what i think we do need to do rob zombies halloween 2 what is the point of rob zombies halloween 2 is it that mike michael myers never existed in the first place i can't tell you the message I, i know well the whole thing where a large portion of the movie didn't happen yeah but it also felt like they were trying to say that the first movie didn't happen either. right yeah or something I, I I couldn't tell you. I was like, well, I, God, maybe I'm we getting could have mad just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a chase, a narrow escape. Lori goes back across the street to the Doyle house. The door is locked, and Lori doesn't have her key, but she manages to wake Tommy, who lets her in just in time as Michael had been approaching. For some reason, the phone in the Doyle house is out. I wasn't sure what was going on here. Was it not working because she had been called by? The Wallace house, and they hadn't hung up. Remember how like phones oh, used to I, be like. I that guess sometimes? I was just taking it that he like cut the. Yeah, well, that's the other explanation, and I'm like, does that make any sense? Well, yeah, because you're like, what, <laughs> does he even know what a telephone is? They have telephones <laughs> yeah. in 1963 before he went in, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he was just six when he went in. How yeah, would yeah. he know? Yeah, that's kind of like one of those things that you just throw into a horror movie. You don't need a whole lot of explanation, but when she goes to call the police, she gets nothing on the phone. Michael gets into the house through an open window. 
But when he tries to attack, Lori stabs him in the neck with a knitting needle. Yeah. His reaction almost over the top to this. <laughs> like, yeah, everything, flails. everything that happens to him, he just ends up like temporarily knocked out. Yeah. No matter what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Lori takes his knife, but then drops it, thinking it's over and he's and dead. falls asleep. No, she goes upstairs yeah. to get Tommy and Lindsay, but Michael has arisen and has followed her up the steps. She locks the kids in a room and then tries to make it look like she escaped out of a window onto the balcony when she's actually really hiding in a closet. All right. This is one of the best horror movie scenes ever. Absolutely. Yeah. This whole sequence in the closet, him breaking into the closet, the light bulb going on for a minute and then off. Like the whole thing is so cool. Lori ends up stabbing Michael in the eyes with a wire coat hanger. (laughs) One eye. Which causes him to drop his knife. She then picks it up. What a perfect shot by her, too, by the way. (laughs) Getting him in the eye with a wire from the coat hanger. She's a final girl. That's true. She gets a good stab in there with the knife, which seems to knock him out again. (laughs) It's almost like she's just bludgeoning him on the head, because it's not like he actually ever bleeds. That's true. He just gets stabbed and then is knocked out. I know, and you would think if this really did get him in the eye, he would be, like, fucked up. Well... She then sends Tommy and Lindsay out of the house to the Mackenzies, which we mentioned was referenced in Scream, the same neighbor's name, down the street to have them call the police. Michael Myers does the precursor to The Undertaker from WWF. That's true. I always think that, too. Well, that's where Undertaker got it. Yeah, yeah. Just sits upright with Lori unaware. It's in the background. It's a Really cool, effective way to do it. I'm sure the audiences in 78 were losing their minds. Loomis sees Tommy and Lindsay burst out of the house screaming and goes to investigate. He's like, well, I should probably do something. He finds a struggle going on upstairs between Lori and Michael. During the fight, Lori rips Michael's mask off, making him hesitate and decide to put it back on before proceeding. Loomis takes this opportunity to shoot Michael six times eventually knocking him off of a small balcony and onto the front yard. We're like, oh boy, he, he did it. He's dead. No more movies after this. This is it. Michael Myers has been defeated. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Laurie asks if it really was the boogeyman. And Loomis confirms that, yes, I believe it was. But then Loomis looks into the yard. He's gone. Michael has vanished. The movie ends with a montage of the places Michael has been with his loud breathing heard over top of the score. Which is awesome. He could be anywhere. The ending scene of Michael being shot six times and then disappearing after falling off the balcony was meant to terrify the imagination of the audience. Carpenter tried to keep the audience guessing as to who Michael Myers really is. He is gone and everywhere at the same time. He is more than human. He may be supernatural, and no one knows how he got that way. To Carpenter, keeping the audience guessing was better than explaining away the character with, quote, he's cursed by some, unquote, which is exactly (laughs) what they would do later on. Yep. Although, to be fair, Carpenter was pissed that he didn't get as much money as he thought, so he took the writing gig for Halloween 2, and... Halloween 2, as much as he hates it now, is where the sister shit is in- introduced. That's it is true. where the first time they start talking about Sam Hain. Oh, yeah. Which is weird that they mention it that early. And so, you know, 
he kind of has himself to blame for yeah, some of it. That's true. He can't just act like, you know, <laughs> his hands are clean. So he just wrote Halloween too. Yeah, he didn't direct yeah, it. Yeah. And then as we've talked about before, he thought that they could take the Halloween franchise and more of like a a Tales from the Crypt an anthology anthology series. style horror thing with Halloween 3. It didn't really work, but at least it gave us a classic timeless <laughs> film. Yeah. And that's possible that Halloween 3 would have never seen the light of day if it hadn't been tied in with Halloween. You know what uh, I mean? I would say that's a very likely <laughs> so scenario. We've got like a fun little yeah. movie out of it that we both enjoy a lot. It made it out there just because of being associated with Halloween. It did. All right. So that does it for the movie. Obviously, the legacy went on forever. This is something that we both enjoy returning to every year. Oh, yeah. I think Halloween will be a once-a-year movie, at least for me, probably for the rest of my life. Yeah. I always love... I have like so much nostalgia for it, even though I, w- I wasn't born until five years later. I agree. I, well, I have nostalgia just for discovering these movies for the first time. You know what I mean? This being such a fun one to discover for the first time. Yeah. I'm always game for more sequels. I don't care how shitty they are. I'm definitely going to see Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Oh, yeah. The saga will continue. That won't be it. Halloween will always come back. I love that Sheriff Brackett and Tommy and Lindsay are all characters in Halloween Kills. I think that's awesome. I I like that, too. I think Paul Rudd was playing Tommy Doyle in 6. That's true. Yeah. So this isn't the first time they've brought his character back, but I think... He's the only... Well, like I said, Marion is in H2O and 2, obviously. Right. It's so hard to keep track of all the different Certainly is. timelines yeah. and what's canon There's or not canon. There's a lot canon. going on, yeah. They love to just reboot it and just act like everything in front of it didn't happen. Yeah. I don't know if I really love that decision because, like I said, I think H2O is one of the better sequels and I don't know why you have to throw that away. I'd love if someone came out and made one and it was just like, okay, so it's only... Halloween 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> they just have to call out that 3 is part of it, even though it has nothing to do with it. Yeah, like in 1982, 10,000 kids died. Yeah. <laughs> that's, really the, <laughs> that's really the long and short of it. Dr. Chalice like shows up. It's still alive. All right, so... That'll do it for Halloween. That's a classic. That's one of our favorites. We didn't really make as many jokes because we yeah. we just take it too seriously. It's an all-time great. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's not really anything else you need to know. What are you doing? What? what? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Let's do recommendations real fast. Do you want to go first? Uh, why don't you go first? I got to look up the title to mine. <laughs> That's how much I recommend it. <laughs> well, mine is probably pretty obvious for people. Borat, subsequent movie film. Also okay. known as yeah. Borat 2. Also known as something way longer than that, which I I don't have in front of me. It's on Amazon Prime. It's definitely hit the news big time because of the stuff with Rudy Giuliani, and then a lot of it's tied in with Trump stuff and Trump supporters who are like into the conspiracy theories and all kinds of crazy shit in it. It's a wild movie. Yeah. I don't think it's quite as 
good as the first one, but it, it delivers much more than you would think for okay. a, a sequel this far off. It's definitely the best thing Sasha Baron Cohen's done since Borat. You know, a lot of the shit he's yeah, been yeah. involved with since then has been pretty disappointing. Okay. This delivers. All right. He has a daughter in it, and that whole thing is funny. There are times where you cringe and you have to look away. I, I it's, bet, yes. It's so embarrassing. I would expect that. But yeah, I laughed a lot, which there aren't really many movies that make me laugh like at all that yeah. come out these days. So okay, on that That's level, a- I will recommend Borat 2. You can check that out on Amazon Prime. A ringing endorsement. For me, documentary on Netflix, fairly recently added, I think maybe back in September, called American Murder... The Family Next Door. Not a great title, but I will say (laughs) we've talked about true crime from time to time, and it's just always something that's kind of haunting. But this has almost eerily similar (laughs) themes to the movie Gone Girl, which is a movie, of course, that we we both enjoy. It's almost shockingly similar to it at times, including like getting into the things that the way people are reacting to what's happened. And even once they find out what actually happened, they're still (laughs) reacting in a way that you would almost be like, I can't believe that people react to things this way. But um, I don't want to get too into the detail of what happens. I would say of crime documentary or, or series, it's always a little bit better if there's like some unexpected twist, which I, I really wouldn't say happens in this one. What you think would have happened ends up happening. But it, it's haunting and it's certainly dark and compelling to watch. But yeah, that, that's my recommendation for this week. All right, so folks, follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean. Give us a rating and review while we're taking our hiatus. It's really nice. We love seeing people write funny little reviews or giving us five stars. Love all the uh, Twitter activity. Tweet at the show. If you have a recommendation that you'd really just love us to cover, you can tweet it at us and maybe we'll get to it at some point. I feel like I have to give another additional thanks to Keith for the new image. I feel like that's really propelled us to the next level. Yeah, we love the new logo design. It's great. So thank you to Keith. Thank you to all of our listeners for 200 episodes it's fucking crazy really is we had something else in mind originally to do for 200 and then things sort of took a turn with the pandemic and now it worked out that we got to incorporate 200 into our biggest time of the year which is greatest october and we did one of our favorite movies halloween for it so it all worked out in the end for those of you who have stuck with us since episode one the three of you (laughs) God, things were terrible back really? then. Really? Yeah. We have a lot of cool things planned for next year. So don't think that this is the end by any means. It's we're, never we're always the end. coming up with yeah, new it's ideas. It's never the end. I just want to say it is possible, <laughs> depending on what happens with the election and what happens with this virus. If there's another lockdown, then maybe this is goodbye for even longer than we're thinking. I don't know. I think we'll figure out Skype this time. No, we won't. So. <laughs> Just in case, you know, just know we'll come back when we can. God knows I'll, I'll have to do another solo. Give us a second Which, to tide yeah, us over. I don't think anyone can take the horror <laughs> of that. That's like a psychological thriller all within itself. Listening to me commit suicide. That's right. Somehow yeah. it gets uploaded. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> I upload it. I'm like, you guys got to hear this. <laughs> this loser. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we are taking a break. That's what, what's going on. Hopefully we'll be back at the end of November. Thank you for listening. Talk to you.
we do.
Pokemon go to the polls. Oh my god, it's Halloween. Wish I had a friend with me. Every year, I'm all alone. I have no reason to leave my home. Bought a costume, that's really funny. But why dress up if I have nobody? Lonely Halloween. It's a lonely Halloween. Lonely Halloween. No one hears me scream. I want to throw a house party and stay out super late. But instead, I guess I'll just get drunk and monster masturbate. Trick or treat, treat or trip. Wish a vampire would suck my blood. Ghouls and ghosts don't scare me because there's nothing worse than being lonely. This is it, spooky time. I'll wait all night and start to cry. Why does God punish me? I suffer each day I live and breathe. Lonely Halloween. It's a lonely Halloween. Lonely Halloween. Someone put an end to me. Please end my suffering. I said, please end my suffering. Please end my suffering. 